I'm Gab, he's Jules, Blue Skies over West London. How could it be otherwise, Jules? Because it's Derby weekends are coming up and the Premier League League football is back and then the Champions League. It's all good. It's It's all good. good. Um, We'll be talking uh, a little bit about that. We'll be talking about, of course, the the Nations League. We have our final four, um, which is good. But I think we want to start by taking a look at... At a team that, because they play in the middle of the night, yeah. because we're Eurocentric here in London, um, we don't get to talk about as often, other than saying, ooh, they're really, really good. And that's Brazil. And who better to do it with than our new uh, colleague at ESPN, ah. uh, Luis Miguel Echegaray. Uh, Luis has come on board. He's got his own show on YouTube called Tecadito. It's a takeoff on Tiradito, that delicacy yes. we all love. But um, Luis Miguel, let's get straight into this. They played Tunisia, they walloped Tunisia, uh, just like they walloped Ghana earlier. Are we surprised at all at this, by the way? Are we surprised by Brazilian might? I mean, 5-1 against Tunisia. But, oh, hello, everybody. Gavin Jules, I'm so happy to be here. Finally, I get the call. I love it when Gav calls me. You know, right as I'm having lunch with my, my teacher wife. You know, she has one day off a year. And that, on the day of that, 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 that we're having a good time, Gavin Cotti has to call me and ask me to be part of the show. But I had to say yes. So very happy to be here. But let's get into Brazil. Um, basically, guys, it, it, it's the same blueprint that we've been expecting from Coach Chiche ever since really he joined in 2016. But now they're looking like the real deal. And it's been going for a while. It's no surprise to me why they're the favorite to win this at this point. Argentina would probably be number two after that. But 5-1 against Tunisia, 65% possession, 18 shots, 10 on target. Rafinha gets a brace. Richarlison gets a goal. Neymar penalty. And Pedro, by the way, you know, top goal scorer, Copa Libertadores. You know, this is a team that's really given me the feelings of the 2002 uh, squad, obviously the last time Brazil won a World Cup, and and it's got everything. The only question will be, can they finally jump that hurdle and that drought? Because Brazilians have been now aching for this for 20 years, but they're looking good, Gab. They're looking very, very good. They, I mean, they're, they're often very strong going into a World Cup. You know, they're often, often amongst the favorite. They often look good. And... But he feels that this time there's something a bit different. Maybe it's because it's Chichi's last tournament and that after that he will go. And, and I think there's a feeling that maybe this is the perfect ending if they go and win it. And imagine the sending off would be incredible. Is it because it could also be Neymar's last World Cup? Is it because the balance is better? Is it because they've got the right mix between the more experienced players like the Thiago Silva, etc., and the younger generation like Vini? Is it because most of the key players are playing super, super well right now. I yeah. don't know, but it does feel, Gab, that's, there's something a bit different this time. Yeah, I, I think form definitely matters going into the World Cup. What I really like, you talked about balance there. Um, I kind of feel like Chiche's Brazil, they've always been balanced. Obviously, they haven't always won World Cups, and they, they haven't, but he's been there, I think, since 2016 or 2015 or whatever. Um, and I think this team plays like a club side. Even when you had players who were there before, maybe they're now gone. There is a ton of chemistry there. My one question mark is at some point, he's going to have to, we talked about there's so much talent up front, he's going to have to make decisions in terms of who to start. I mean, there's some, I think right back might also be a question mark yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Danilo, he tried it in Militao there. But up front, all right, we take it for red that Neymar is going to start. Do you pick the other two on form? Is Vinicius also an automatic choice oh, yeah, in yeah, this yeah. Brazil team, yeah. the way they play? And then who's the third? Or fourth. Yeah, I mean, listen, part of the issue with Chiche is like, you know, uh, oh, 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 you know, oh, woe is me, right? Uh, Too many cooks in the kitchen. Look at this talented roster that Brazil have. You mentioned offensively speaking, there is no issue. And to Jules's point, there's also an emotional uh, mountain that this Brazilian time, uh, Brazilian side wants to cover just because Chiche's last World Cup, Neymar's not necessarily his last World Cup, but definitely the last World Cup where he can be a true headliner. So he's the pinpoint man. There's no doubt about it. But the beautiful thing about Neymar Jr. and this Brazilian side is that he's not... Okay, this is a weird thing to say. There's not really a position, a specific position to title him as when he joins the first 11. He goes everywhere. He goes as a striker. He drops as a midfielder. So what do you do? You have to build it around him. So Lucas Paqueta, of course, you know, is, is a major, a major... Uh, you know, factor when it comes to supporting that. You mentioned Vinicius Jr. He will definitely start. And then Richardson, you know, for all the criticism 
that sometimes he gets in the Premier League over the years. I can't tell you how adored he is with this national team, and he will be at this point that number nine. Now, Gabriel Jesus wasn't selected for this squad, but I do believe that he will be obviously there as well. But it's all about Neymar. All right, let's get a little more granular here, yeah. as, uh, as as we like to say. Um, Brazil, obviously, everybody knows this. They're in this World Cup group with uh, uh, Cameroon, Switzerland, and Serbia. They yeah, open against Serbia and the uh, Vlaovic, uh, Mitrovic, Bash brothers duo. So let's start talking about the defense. What do we think like the defense? We're we kind of taking it red that the formation, the basic setup, what he's played most of the time, uh, Luis Vigai, correct me if I'm wrong, has been 4-2-3-1 or 4-3-3, three, three, yeah. however, however you want to... However, you want to look at it. So, all right, goalkeeper Allison has the number one jersey. I know the city fans are going to come out and go, oh, Anderson is better. Like, yeah, I don't care. It doesn't matter what you think, it matters what Gigi thinks. Allison is not in question. No. Plus, he's far more handsome than Ederson, and he doesn't have a stupid neck to do, yeah? That's your point of view. Yeah, my, some might disagree. I, I like Ederson. Ederson looks good, man. Uh, you think Ederson's more handsome than Allison? No, I think Ederson. Okay, that, that's the only point like, I'm saying. Ed- no, I'll give you the difference here. Allison is is who your parents want you to marry. Ederson is is the boyfriend with the motorcycle you don't want. So what do you want? It's, it's oh, that's a great point. Oh. You know what? Honestly, it I, is. It is. I'm pretty sure Ederson is a lot more fun on a night what night out than Allison is. Yeah, I agree. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That, 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 is, that is very true. All right, but he does start. Gap. He does start of Ederson every single time. Allison is the undoubted starter for Brazil. Okay, so the defense. Um, Luis Miguel, do you want us run run us through the back four, and then Jules and I and, and you will pick apart the pros and cons. So, in terms of in terms of right back, we've seen Danilo there. Yeah. We saw them try Eder Militao. Jules still thinks Danny Alves might sneak his way in. <laughs> if it's tomorrow, who would your money on be? Who your who would your money be on to play right back? I think just given the nature of what, you know, and you're right, it's always a four at the back. I think Danilo will probably be, you know, the, the one ahead. Militao always does a job, but Danilo, Chiche has a lot of faith in him, especially when he has the ball. That's definitely going to be the most defensive, you know, uh, vulnerability for Brazil. But I think Danilo will probably be there. And then, you know, Thiago Silva with Marquinhos easily as those two. And then Talis on the other side. It's always going to be a four. The question will be on the right back. Militao can offer you something when you're playing perhaps a Serbia, right, in their group. You know, that could be an issue there. But I think Danilo will probably be the starter for me. Joe, you're, you're on board with that? Yeah, yeah. I think I agree with, with Luisito. I think this is going to be the back four. I'm not too convinced about Alex Tejas without the ball and defensively. And we saw him many, many times being either caught off position or half asleep or switching off. And so I'm not... I'm not saying that Alexandro is a better choice. I'm not saying that there's nobody else that you can put in there. That Danilo you have Renan Lodi. Or Renan Lodi. I, I think there are options. I'm just not too sold on, on Alex Tejas. And I think the fullback's positions could be a, a weakness in a way, whether it's with the ball or without the ball for Brazil, compared to the other position where they're so loaded up with talent. It's incredible. But yeah, I mean, apart from that, uh, you know, I, Dan- I... Danilo can play left back. Uh, yeah. As, as, but then, of course, you create a problem on the right if, if you do that. I think it is defensive. But one thing that you brought up as well was, I know you've got a deep love for Thiago Silva, as do all men of goodwill in this yeah. world. Yeah. Um, however, <laughs> Thiago Silva in a three is a great proposition. Yeah. Thiago Silva in a two at this stage of his career, maybe not so much. Um, would it make... But that's okay, Gav. Yeah, that's all right. Because, you know, yeah, because, you know, Militao's right there. You know, Chich is not that worried about it. I think, yeah, I think the Sorry, Militao's where? Because they can't play with 12 players. This is what I'm getting to. No, I'm saying. If you want to go a back three, I'm I'm wondering, Mm. should you maybe consider a back three? In other words, you have Marquinhos, Thiago, and Militao. I I just, no, because I worry about Vinicius Jr.'s productivity when you do that. You know, I worry about, yeah, uh, you know, even Gabriel point. Jesus when you and do Rafinha that. And to a certain extent, too. Exactly, exactly. And, and that's where it comes from. Listen, everybody's questioning the defensive vulnerabilities of Brazil. They conceded five goals in World Cup qualifiers. You think that's easy? That's so difficult. I, 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 I think that you do begin with the problem of, you know, how do you figure this out when you do it in the knockout stages, when you play the Giants? That's going to be a problem. And that's where the Thiago Silva issue comes in. But at this point, 
you know, uh, the, the, the truth of the, of the matter is that Brazilians' defense is not as bad as people think. Yeah, no, I, and I think, look, in the end, we nitpick, we find problems and issues with yeah, everybody. Yeah, of course. No, no. I am curious how he, how he resolves it. One other option, I know he hasn't done it much for Real Madrid, but Eder Militao has played left back before as well. Mm. Yep, I, yep. Obviously, you get very defensive there, but, you know, in the end, you know, we talked about uh, Thiago Silva with two center backs. If you play Danilo and uh, right back, yeah, yeah, right back, yeah, no, and you play um, Militao left back, effectively, you've got four center backs, and true, and you know, further up the that, pitch, you can do what you like. That's you know? how France won the 2018 World Cup, anyway. <laughs> exactly. You know, so he's clearly I'm, I'm, already, I'm already seeing, like, you know, I can sense one of us writing these articles, like, why Brazil are copying France's 2018 exactly. formula. Um, let's move on to the midfield. Um, Fabinho, part. I'm assuming, is an automatic choice, should be an automatic choice, hasn't played these last couple of games. But for me, I'm just giving you me. Like, I'm not going to question Chichi, but if he's fit, I have Fabinho. You have. Casemiro. Okay, and Fred, don't laugh, but or maybe not Fred. And I know then the third one is Fred or Paqueta, depending on the opposition. But you're shaking your head. You disagree. I disagree, too. I, yeah, I'm, I'm with Jules here. Listen, I, I just want to remind some, uh, some folks something. Chiche has no issue doing a 4-3-3 where you have the likes of Casemiro in the middle, Lucas Paqueta on the other side, and Neymar Jr. part of that trio as well. And then you just alleviate everything going up front. My midfield is a three with Neymar part of it. Okay, I think you guys are... are you, you, you guys are... Fabinho you guys are. is not going to start. Casemiro will be the starter and then he will add a half... Either, no, I agree with you. I just think that it's maybe probably too defensive for yeah, Chichi and Fubuji. Yeah, and, and especially, I, I suppose, I mean, saying, two, because you don't have the fullback or attacking fullbacks, right? Yeah, yeah and it's two, holding midfi- like two proper holding midfielders. I don't Chichi, think this Brazilian team needs two. So you pick either Fabinho or Casemiro, but not the two. But what about the goal-scoring Casemiro we saw at Real Madrid? No? Mm. Man, man. Right. All right. Okay, so, so you reckon we're going to have one. You're midfield... Sorry, is Casemiro, Neymar, and Lucas Paqueta, yeah? Yeah, I just, I, listen, Lucas Paqueta has earned this, I think, definitely. I, and, and I agree with you. So ultimately, you can go with two. That's way too protective for him. And obviously, this can play around in the group stages. You might see what you're saying, Gab, in the second game. In the first game, I'm seeing Brazil going all out with a 4-3-3, Neymar being in the middle. And that way, you can have a lot more offensive uh, choices going up front. Okay, here's my thing about the packet when he plays for West Ham he has <laughs> Sushek he's got the twin towers of Sushek and Declan Rice yeah. behind him right yeah plus a fairly defensive back four yeah so you're asking him hey packet go from doing that at West Ham where you're kind of in the Lancini role and by the way David Moyes might change it 101 times since he's yeah, changed yeah. his team every week so we don't really know where it's going right but you're asking him to move from that into playing what necessarily has to be a deeper lying, more disciplined role. Do you want to mess around with this and put this kind of onus but he's played on the packet? Who, let's face it, nice player, but he's it's still Lucas Paqueta. He's more physical than you think, I think. He's, he's played at Lyon really with Peter Boss, who, who plays like no, Benini sticker football. He's not a real coach, right? I so, know, but I've seen him against PSG being very strong in that sort of number eight position and don't forget Brazil will have 65 or 70 percent of the ball every time okay maybe not if they reach a semi-final against one of the you know the, the big big teams but still it would it would be a lot of the ball so so you guys a really interesting point about possession well. Luis I want to Luis Miguel I want to get your view on this yeah Jules says they're going to have 75 80 percent possession whatever right so I said 65 yeah. to okay, 70. 65 whatever <laughs> is that the case and is that good and we, the, the reason I ask this is Vinicius is obviously highly productive up front, playing in a very, very direct way. Um, Richarlison is also a very, very direct player. We don't know if he's going to start or whatever. Rafinha, another very direct player. I don't know that, I mean, the other, I, I don't know if, if I'm Chichi, I don't know if I don't want to exploit that. If I want, don't want to go vertical more often rather than, than play this higher possession game. And again, I'm probably playing higher possession game for, to pack it. So maybe I want yeah. to do it for Vinicius and play something that suits him a little bit more. I'm, I'm, am I yeah. wrong here? 
No, you're not. I mean, listen, I, I can tell you two things. One, Chiche is looking back at that Copa America final against Argentina where possession was, you know, uh, second to nature for Brazilians. What happened in that game? They lost, right? So, you know, Chiche, Chiche's idea of possession is possession doesn't mean anything if there's no end product by the end. And that's what you see in these latest friendlies, right? Against, granted, they're just friendlies. But to your point, he wants to be more vertical because he also sees the personnel that he has. We're not even talking about Gabriel Jesus uh, right now, who is a player that likes to play that, you know, obviously he's used to the possession base due to Mikel Arteta's Arsenal, of course, Man City before him. But he likes the end product. He likes to finish the same, of course, you can say with Richarlison and, uh, you know, Anthony as well, who could probably come in and give you 10 minutes. Chiche is, is done with possession. He knows he's going to get it, like Jules said, between 65 and 75%. But you need to see an end product because they've already been bit by the fact that you can keep the ball as much as you want, you better score some goals. For example, I don't think the, the first Rafinha goal against Tunisia, which is the Casemiro long ball over the top, and then it's an incredible header and it's a very difficult goal to score. But I think there's a time before where maybe Brazil would have done 15 passes before getting the ball closer to the box to try to find Rafinha or Neymar or Richarlison, someone. I think we will, I expect them to do this a little bit more often mm. to, to find the verticality, the verticality Verticality. verticality that you were just mentioning, which I don't think before you would ask that so much of Casemiro. It was more like, okay, find the feet of Neymar, find the feet of Paqueta, you know, maybe play wide yeah. straight away. This ball was very unlike Brazil, really, and especially to find yeah. the head of, of, of Rafinha. And yet they yeah. did it so well. So I, I think you're right. I think right. They, there's more variety in the game now that there was at the Copa America when they lost to Argentina and maybe uh, like any previous World Cup before. Yes, yeah, to me, that would be another reason maybe not to have the packet in there. But I'm in the minority here. You need some time <laughs> to recognize you that. Control the temperature. You can't just go over. Uh, all right, let's go with the front three now. Um, obviously, Luis Miguel part. doesn't think Neymar is going to be in the front three because he's going to have he has him in midfield. But uh, Jules, what's your front three? I... I love Gabriel Jesus, and like you, I think he, he's having already a great season. I think he can be so much value for the squad, even if he doesn't start, but for the physicality, for everything that he brings, the press and the counter-press especially, uh, because I think he does it better than Richarlison. But I think the train is gone now, and I, I know Luis disagrees. I don't think they would call him for the World Cup, and I think it would be Rafinha, Richarlison, Vini, with probably, uh, you know, Pedro, coming off the, the bench for, I mean, being another option on the bench and having other players on the bench, like Rodrigo, for example, who can also come and play different positions right. and variety. But I think for both Martinelli and Gabriel, I'm afraid I don't think it's good So news. your front three is, just remind me, Vinicius, Richardson yeah. and Rafinha, yeah. and Neymar in midfield. And Neymar has a free role that right. he's been playing. For the and you're also going with the Echegaray lineup of one proper midfielder and then pack it and yeah. Neymar. Certainly for the group stage. And I think if you play a much bigger team like a France or like an Argentina, you might need more solidity in midfield. And in that case, like we saw Vini not starting against Tunisia, for example, and you could easily have Rafinha not starting and play, play a 4-3-3 with Fred and Casemiro yeah. and Neymar, a Paqueta and Neymar higher up the pitch. Uh, Luis Miguel, What's your take on Gabriel Jesus? Obviously, you, you, you have a clear idea on why he's not here, and you don't think the door is shut on him. Yeah, well, I mean, it's very difficult to argue when you listen to the beautiful French sounds of uh, Jules Laurent. But I, I do, I do, I, I think that, I, I just take the words of what Chiche said when he announced the roster of these friendlies, and Gabriel Jesus wasn't part of it. And he said, look, this is just my opportunity to give other players a chance. Me thinking... You cannot not take Gabriel Jesus. You can't. You can't do it. It would be not. Never mind the the work that he's done for Arsenal already. It's it's already the body of work that he's delivered for Chiche. My only thing, the only thing that I would say uh, from what Jules was saying is that with all this beautiful uh, artistry that Brazil is going to create, you need a big man up front, and I feel like Richarlison will probably start, and then you'll have Vinny Junior on one side and then Rafinha on the other one. So I don't even know if Gabriel Jesus would start, but not taking him at all would be, wow, kind of a big move from Chiche. But I do think that Richarlison has earned his right. He's earned it for a while, by the way, because you need that kind of final product at the end, that physical uh, status to, to do something. So I think it'll be Richarlison on one side, 
Vinny Jr. on the other one, and then Rapid. Okay, so you guys have the same front three. Um, I'm not super sold on Rafinha in the sense that I don't know if it was right now, yes. I don't know that this is his level or he can keep his level um, all season long. I, I still think this is a player who's who's developing a little bit. But I do think Rafinha and Vinicius, as a pair of wingers, obviously on opposite sides, they really suit this and Richarlison through the middle. I just think he is... He has more presence. It's not a question of work race. It's a question of, of, of presence. He's got the aerial ability, which Gabriel Jesus doesn't have. I'm sure Gabriel Jesus will be in the squad, uh, I, I, I would imagine. But it seems to me that this is the setup that makes sense if the World Cup were to start tomorrow. Mm. Which, of course, let's remind ourselves, it doesn't. we got another six weeks to go, six weeks yeah. to change. <laughs> um, more broadly, I want to take it back to, to Neymar to, 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 to wrap things up. I've told this story before. I remember going to, what was it? It was, yeah, it was Confederations Cup 2013 in Brazil. And I'm in my hotel room and I flick on the television. And, you know, there's a commercial break where they'll show like seven or eight commercials in a row. And I'm not kidding, six of them featured Neymar. And that's when I become to understand, like, to, to, to fully understand how more pressure is on Neymar than I think probably any Brazilian player in a yeah. very, very long side, even, even, even Ronaldinho. Any other countries. Because Ronaldinho left when he was younger, right? Um, and then he came when he was kind of already a star, when he'd come back. But obviously this is a guy who stuck around in Brazil, you know, only left when he was 21, I think. Uh, you know, had the Santos thing going on, and all these things. And he's been coping with this, and he's been living with this, and different people absorb pressure differently. Some people crack, some people... You know, it gives him adrenaline. I'm guessing in Neymar's case, it gives him adrenaline because he didn't turn bad. Yeah. But it does feel like a great way. And I, I want to ask you guys. I mean, you, Luis Miguel, is somebody who's watched Brazil very closely. And first, you, Jules, who obviously, you know, you see him with Paris Saint Germain. Mm. We know it's a more productive Neymar this year. Who's playing some of the best football of his yeah, career so yeah, far. Yeah, yeah. Is he different in other ways? Is he more cognizant of his age, of the fact that the window may be closing in terms of World Cup? Yeah, I think he's hinted before that this could be the last one. And certainly, like Luis said earlier, this would be the last one when he's at kind of level. I think he might play again in four right. years in in North America and Mexico, but it, it would not be... I mean, I would be very surprised if he was at this level again in four years' time, but I hope, I hope for him. Um, so maybe there's that in the back of his mind of like, okay, this one has to count. I think he knows that this is the best squad that he's ever had, and he said that himself. This is the best team, the best Brazilian team that he's ever played in. So I think he realizes this is this is this is the chance. This is the opportunity to finally, because that's all that's all missing. He's two goals behind Pele, so he will overtake Pele as Brazil, you know, top goal scorer ever, which is going to be a hell of an achievement that I'm not sure anyone will ever beat. It's just this is just the World Cup missing really, and he will never win three like Pele. But certainly, if he just wins this one, it would be it would be enough. I think the pressure could get to him because I think pressure could get to anyone. I don't. I hate this pressure is a privilege BS that you know a lot of them said because this is not true. This is not a privilege. It's something that can cost it's a you burden. a lot. It's a burden for a lot of them, and I don't care who you are and how good you are and how prepared you are. You never prepared for this kind of pressure, whoever you are. But I'm hoping that Ney has learned from the lessons from the past, whether it's the injury in 2014 and everything that comes came with it and came around it, or 2018 in that disappointing game against Belgium. But I'm really hoping, I think that if he has learned from it, and Chichi and the others as well, is, they're certainly going to be stronger from it. All right, Miguel, I want to take your, your take, uh, but... I mean, in terms of what, what he said about this being the best Brazil's team he's been on, certainly in terms of World Cup teams, uh, 2014, we don't need to go down that route. There was a terrible team, terrible coaching and everything. <laughs> 2018, I thought they were going to win the World Cup. Mm. I thought they played some of the best football in the World Cup. No disrespect, Jules. I thought no, no, they no, would no, have yeah. wiped the floor with anybody other than that weird Belgium performance. Um, but this team does, on paper, look better. They look more seasoned. They look more warrior-like. Is it the same for Neymar? Yeah, it's a good question. And it was essentially the idea for the article that I wrote for ESPN about how this Brazilian team now is giving me the sense that they're finally complete. Now, will that happen? Will that be ultimately rewarded in Qatar? That's another question. But, you know, there's so much obviously happenstance and coincidence as well, just the fact that it's the 20th year anniversary of the 2002 team that give me a lot of similarities 
just because of how together they are, how confident they are. From the Neymar perspective, there's a lot of what you said that I, I, I totally agree. One thing that I just wanted to bring up was that no player goes through this kind of pressure unless you are, you know, perhaps obviously Lionel Messi before he won Copa America, you know, that, that obviously relieved on his shoulders. But the, the, the fact that Neymar as a Brazilian, so close on meeting Pele's record, the fact that he's never won a World Cup, this is so big for him. Listen, I'm married to a public school teacher, okay, uh, and, and a primary one. And, and one of the things that we always talk about is like the, the most creative kids, the most fun kids, the most rambunctious kids, they want discipline. And that's exactly what Neymar has wanted forever. And that's why he's getting all this productivity from Christophe Galtier. Because finally, just like Chiche, you have a manager that's saying, this is what you can do. And I feel that the combination of what's going on with him right now at PSG and what's going on with Brazil will ultimately give him, hopefully for him, a World Cup. But this is the best version of Neymar I have seen because it's the Santos fun and it's the discipline that he's longed for for so long. So I'm, I'm hopeful for him and I want it for him. He wants it badly. I like the whole discipline angle. So this explains why Super Mario Balotelli wasn't super throughout his career because yeah, he never met point. Chichi. He should have been naturalized <laughs> in Brazil. And, yeah, you know, we, we, we would have all taken a Maybe different... too late. Exactly. That would have been amazing. <laughs> uh, Luis Miguel Lechegaray, thank you so much. Thank Reminder, you, he's got a YouTube show. You can watch it. It's called Tecadito. It's on the uh, it's on the ESPN FC feed on YouTube, so you can subscribe to that. You should already be subscribed. To already, it, yeah. so you can. But, but if not... If you like Luis, if you think he's handsome, if you think he speaks well, <laughs> he says interesting things, please, please, ah. yeah, yeah. check out his show. Luis Miguel, it's been a pleasure. Welcome aboard. And hopefully we have you on again soon. Obrigado. Thank you, guys. It's been a pleasure. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Gab. Just go to Indeed.com slash Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, enough Brazil, Jules. How about some quick hits? Let's go, God. A late, late, late goal from Alvaro Morata gives Spain a 1-0 win over Portugal and sends them into the final four. Jules, Guillemot, Nico <laughs> Williams, Jeremy Pino. You cannot accuse Luis Enrique of not mixing things up. That's right. Uh, Guillemot started. Uh, Jeremy and, and Nico Williams came on and, and had a good impact on the game. Maybe not as much as Pedri and Gavi, who also came on. Yeah, it helps when you have your good players come Exactly. On. You know, I'm all for Spain played much better in the last half hour of the game than for an hour where Portugal were the better team and should have scored. And, and Cristiano missed three big chances we will get in Cristiano's to world, but still. But after that, when you bring on those players, of course it helps, especially when in the other team, Fernando Santos does what we thought he was not doing anymore, but fell asleep. Uh, our friend Fernando Santos. So, right. but before well we get to Fernando Santos, can, can you, I know you love your techers. What about Diogo Jota's control on that? Oh big yeah. <laughs> How did he do really that? Special. How does really he do special. that? But well done yeah. to Spain. Even if they didn't really deserve to win, they got the win and are now in the final four. And Gab, as you said, speaking of Portugal, there was plenty of criticism for Fernando Santos and Cristiano Ronaldo. Even Cristiano's sister got involved to defend him, as she always does. You know. Gab, do you feel bad for Cristiano and Fernando? Well, look, I don't, I would, I'm not, I, I do have some sympathy for Cristiano in the sense that this is a difficult time for him, you know, obviously yeah. not starting for uh, Manchester United. Um, and then getting criticized somewhat internally as well in Portugal, which I yeah, think is, is kind media. of... Obola having that front page, more Portugal, less Cristiano even. It's very much a new, it's very much a new thing for him. 
On the other hand, he's 37 years old. I, I like to think, because this is what we're told about superstar athletes, that they're their own harshest critics. Yeah. So I'm assuming he's a harsh critic on himself. Uh, I also think, I mean, one of those chances, the one where we had the ball in the box and the um, the left back comes and nicks it from him. You yeah. can't see him behind him. Okay. But he should, know, he should take it first time anyway. He should not control the ball. Like okay, fine. But maybe like, you know, you're taught when you're little, like, you know, yeah, shout, yeah. man on. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, come yeah, on, maybe, man. But As for Fernando Santos. He's very unlike him, though. To it, those chances. It is very much unlike him. And like, it also shows you that when you're not playing at club level, sometimes yeah, you try to do true. too much national team level. As for Fernando Santos, you know, you said it's funny, but you play, you put the more attacking lineup out there in theory, yeah. in, in the previous game anyway. And obviously, I have no problem with him not starting loud or maybe bring him on sooner. Yeah. But, um, but then it doesn't work. My concern is then he goes back to like, you know, just, just five Vitinhas and a couple Carvalhos across midfield and Cristiano on his own, which isn't great either. Exactly. Now, this was way back on Monday night, Jules, but what did you make of England storming back from two goals down to take the lead at Wembley against Germany, only to then settle for a 3-3 <laughs> draw? This was... It was crazy, what, 25 minutes or so. They yeah. scored three goals in 11 or 12 minutes to come back into the game after being 2-0 down and being... A very average for, for an hour. They had a big The game was a turn. snoozer. Yeah, yeah, it was not good. But I thought, again, that England were very conservative and they played with a handbrake again and they played really deep and only on the counter, which they still created one good chance with Sterling, another half chance for him as well. But as soon as Mount came on and Saka and there was a bit more energy and clearly because they were 2 nil down, they had to go for it. Then suddenly we saw a different England team. Don't tell me they can't do that from the beginning. You know, and I think because the question is, is so defensive-minded, okay. that's I, what always going to happen. Like, I, I think there's a deeper dysfunction there because those two Germany goals, they were both, or the first one, obviously, the second one, I think, too, because he gives the ball away, were both, you know, gift-wrapped by Harry Maguire. Yes, they were. And we can say, oh, let's play Maguire again. He's not playing for, for United. You know, talk about guys whose club form, who you know, don't play for their clubs, and then they stink it up yeah. when, when they play with the national team. Um so you could say, oh, like, don't put Maguire in there, put somebody up, put Tamori in there, then we don't have those two mistakes, but we still get all the good stuff from England. I think this is what's working on the back of people's minds when it comes to, when yeah. it comes to Gareth Southgate. Yeah. Italy's away win over Hungary means that they will also be going to the Final Four with Spain, Croatia and the Netherlands. Gab Mancini says he's tired of apologising for not qualifying for the World Cup and says that he wants to win it in 2026. Yeah, why not? Well, stop apologising. Who asks him to apologise all the time? Well, he says we need to get beyond the mindset of, yes. you know, and I think he's 100% right. Like, you know, this was this was a good qualifying campaign in terms of performance. It mm -hmm. wasn't good in terms of results. They missed penalties. We know why they weren't there. Move on. And I think that's what he's doing. And I think, you know, having all these youngsters and no names in the national team, people are and still getting results. I think it matters. I think going to the Final Four, the Nations League matters. Um, you know, maybe the other guys will all be tired from the World Cup effort. I don't know. I mean, in June, they, they would have recovered, I think. Uh, maybe. They should you, have. You, you, you would hope so, but um, no, I think he's good. I think this is the way you have to, you yeah, have to I agree. think. You have to think in terms of, we want to win the World Cup if you're a big nation, and which what a at least it is. And what a great experience for the younger boys as well. You know, all the, the players that maybe would not have played as much if the, the first 11 had been fit. It's great. After Nyonto scores the winning goal in 20 26. Oh, I expect to see you in a Yonto shirt. Argentina defeat Jamaica 3-0 and the unbeaten streak is now at 35 games for Lionel Scaloni. Jules, though, it was 1-0 until Lionel Messi comes off the bench to score twice in the last five minutes. Yeah, he was not well. He had a bit of a flu, so he only came on after 55 minutes, I think. Scored a lovely free kick towards the end and a goal before, before that. I think the whole stadium was there to see him, so you can imagine the disappointment when he was not starting. But at least they saw a good 35 minutes of him with the, with the two goals. And the, the incredible run continues. Caloni tried different things. Julian Alvarez scored as well early yeah. on, which was really good. So, I mean, everything looks very rosy for Argentina. Yeah, no, I, I, I think this team looks solid. I thought so Zapal played better as well, which yeah, I think yeah. is somebody they're going to you know, need. Um, and so Fernandez also coming on, made a contribution. So... Ah, They're on track. Good. Yeah. And Gab, since I know you love talking about this, of course, Messi's two goals now, which were his, ninth, his 89th and 90th. 90th that's that's right. right. Means that he passes Malaysia's Mokhtar Dahari to move into third place on the all time men's list of goal scorer. Cristiano, as we said, is 27 away. Uh, from Messi and Christian Sinclair, of course, the all-time leader, is only 101 goals away. So I'll ask you something else. What did you make of Messi's attempt to autograph 
a pitch invite's back before security intervened. Oh, this is not having a go. Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo's doing the exact same thing. Uh, it should be very simple. When a pitch invader comes on the pitch, if you as a player interact with him in any yeah. way, encouraging selfie it. or whatever, yeah. you automatically get a red card and a suspension. This should be the rule. Uh, apart from the fact that it was weird because the guy didn't have a shirt on and he gives Messi, I'm assuming it was a Sharpie that Messi was yeah, holding. Yeah. So you saw the um, Inter-Miami Inter goalkeeper? No. So they trained, they trained there and he had his arm signed by Messi and then went to the tattoo, sh to the tattoo parlor and had the tattoo of Messi's autograph on his, on his, so tattooed on the, on the Sharpie. So I gathered that fan wanted the same. So Messi signed your back and then you go to the tattoo and you make it into a tattoo so he stays forever. Yeah, I, I, still look, weird. I, I, still I weird. okay. I, I think the whole thing is weird, but whatever. I just don't want this to happen during yeah, games because the next time somebody goes up and says, "Hey, Cristiano, can I get a, a tattoo?" Cristiano says, "Oh, sure, of course." Or, or can I get an autograph? Then the guy takes out a sledgehammer and a machete and hacks Cristiano to bits. I don't want to see this. This is stupid. This is dangerous. Mm. You saw the reaction of the security as well. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they they knocked Messi over as well. And yeah. take, I mean, this is honestly. We need to discourage this. More Messi. Woo! Barcelona's de facto chief uh, CFO, Eduardo Romeo, says they could afford to sign Messi when his contract expires in June since they cut their wage bill and increased revenue last summer. Of course, he says it would be a technical decision, meaning a football decision. Yeah, also he's on a free because his contract will well, come to course, an end. Of course, he's a free agent. So, yeah, a free agent. Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know they, if they can really pay the 75 million or 50 okay. million right. nets. Let's role play here. Let's say Messi says, oh, look, I'm going to play for the minimum wage and I want to come back. Yeah. You're Xavi. You yeah. tell yourself, I, no need to make, I need to make a footballing decision, a yeah. technical decision yeah. about what's best for Barcelona. Do you yeah. take him back? Um, uh, only if I'm ready to change pretty much everything because the 4-3-3 is not suited to Messi anymore even as a force 9 he needs to play close to a striker I mean I would love to see Messi and Lewandowski together and Dembele and Rafinha but you'd have to change your whole system the whole way of playing I don't know if Xavi is ready to do that but maybe I think it's hard if you, if you tell Xavi we can bring him home do you want him home there's no way Xavi would say no, right? Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I, I, I would not want to be in Xavi's no, shoes making that decision. Sure. Iran and Senegal draw 1-1, but the story gap, of course, is the ongoing protest of players in support of the demonstration back home. Though Gabi appears that one of them has changed his tune. Yeah, assuming it's him. I'm, right, so the backstory to this, Mark Ogden wrote a very good piece yeah. about this. Uh, I've got a column coming up uh, on this as well. The backstory is obviously it was the death in police custody of a woman who was taken in by the morality police uh, for not wearing her hijab uh, correctly. She died to set off a wave of demonstrations across the country. They're still going the on. Protest, it's yeah. certainly fueled by social media. Uh, as you know, the, the, the players kind of joined in on this when they played Senegal. They were they, were, they wore sort of black warm-ups yeah. um, rather than than, than the uh, uh, FA-issued ones. The player I'm talking about, Sir Daras Moon from uh, um, mm. by Leverkusen, he posted something that was you know strongly critical. Critical, he said, "I'll probably get punished for this, but I don't care. I'm never deleting this post. Um, you know, this is scandalous. Long live the women of Iran. Support yeah. the women, and so on." Which was great. Which, Which was, was great. Then his account do. gets deleted, and then yesterday. His account reappears, and there's a post from him saying, "Like I'm ashamed of what I did. I disturbed yeah. the peace of the team." This is where it gets pretty creepy and pretty uncomfortable. Yeah. The single most important thing is that you know there's no more violence, and I think women are given just my take here. Yeah, of course, women are given what it appears to me the majority of people in in Iran want, which is basic women's rights, people yeah. not dying and getting beaten at the hands of, 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 of police in, you know, in police custody. There is a ton of other uh, Islamic nations, by the way, this is not a Muslim thing, where you know women, we're, we're covering your head, is a choice, not yeah. a choice made for you by other people. So, And many, many women choose to do it. So uh, I, I just pray that people don't get hurt over this. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the 
Did we just hit a million dollar stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash gabjewels, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash g-a-b-j-u-l-s now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash gabjewels. Chelsea have an 80 million euro buyback option on Tammy Abraham, which we knew, well, we weren't 100% sure on, but yeah. Fabrizio Romano has told us, so it must be so true. it must be true. Um, oh, I think he's pretty good on this one. He's 100% correct. Uh, this clause can be activated next summer. Yeah. Jules, um, is this something Chelsea's sporting director right now, of course, yeah. is interim sporting director, top <laughs> holding, is this thing you should be considering? 100%, although you need to sort out the Romelu-Lukaku <laughs> situation first. So Can you imagine like, Abraham and Lukaku together? Like, oh my God. A no wrecking one. ball. <laughs> I mean, it could look like WWE as well, as well as, and you wouldn't want to face them, but you can't have both. <laughs> it makes no point. And Tammy Abraham would not come back to Chelsea for a, you know, sit on the bench, for example. To be Armando Broja. Exactly. So if, if you sell Lukaku, if he goes permanently to Inter, Okay, I think then Tammy Abraham is is a very very good option for you. But if if you're still stuck in a way, I don't think it would be a problem to have Lukaku back. Uh, and Graham Potter might fancy that. But in case uh, it's not the case, then then you can't have Abraham as no, well. No, I agree it's, with you. It wouldn't make sense. Inter have announced losses of 140 million euros. I guess that's better than the year before, Gab, where they lost 255 million. Uh, yes, it's it's forward progress. Yeah. Stephen Jang, the president, We're getting there, has put in money. They point out the revenue is up. Obviously, some of these losses are are, are, are pandemic influenced. Um, I think if they can show that they can cut the wages with and not make ridiculous, stupid contracts with people like Alexis Sanchez and and Arturo Vidal, I think they can get somewhere. So, um, well done to them. It's still. I mean, it's still an enormous gaping hole, go, yeah. but I think this year they'll be very close to break uh, to break, break even. even. Yeah. And I think that's important also with a view towards selling the club, which I think ultimately is, is the game plan. Jules, I know you love your techers. Tell me about Benjamin Sesko's wonder goal against Sweden. Wow. Is he really the next Holland? With the difference being that, of course, instead of going from Salzburg to Dortmund, yeah. because he had a real agent, instead he goes ah. from Salzburg to the mothership, Leipzig. Well, yeah, I respect that choice. And, and again, he, he, can only, he can do what kind of Haaland did at Dortmund and stay for a year or 18 months and then go to a bigger club. Uh, but that goal is very special if you haven't seen it. It's a long ball over and he's on the left side of the box and he volleys it first time and he goes into the opposite top corner pretty much. It's an incredible piece of skill. So difficult to do. It reminds, it's a remi it, like, it reminds you of the Marco von Basten header, although his angle is Van Basten's angle is far tighter than Sesko's, but still, it's that kind of goal. If you if you if you remember the uh, the Van Basten one, it's it's amazing. I think he's a very very talented kid. I don't think he's ready right now to go to a City or United or that. But kind a Dortmund, player. Holland went to Dortmund at his age. Yeah, yeah, but that's what Leipzig. But even in that, the year time, no, I know. it's okay. There's Champions League and stuff like that first with Salzburg, but. I mean, he's, he can't even get into the Salzburg team right now. He was exactly. on the bench against Chelsea, came on. So, you know, it's, um, you know, like, this Easy. is really good for his confidence, yeah. The sniping between PSG boss Nasser Halaifi and Barcelona continues, Gab. Yeah, so Nasser gave an interview with, with Politico, weirdly. Yeah. Uh, he won't talk to us, but he talked to Politico, um, where he's asked about um, Barcelona, you know, and obviously the, the levers this summer and then the big spending. And he says, is this fair? No, it's not fair. Nope. Is it legal? I'm not sure. If they allow them, others will do the same. UEFA, of course, have their own financial regulations. For sure, they're going to look at everything. To which Tebas replies, um, Barcelona have sold part of their assets to cover their losses. At PSG, on the other hand, when this happens, you just turn on the gas, obviously. <laughs> A reference to, to, to natural gas and yeah. the resources. I, this sniping is stupid. I don't think it should come from Nasser. Look, I think what Barcelona did, I'm, I'm on the record, I think it's unnecessarily risky, and I think it could come and bite them seriously in the backside. It's not worth it, risk-reward. 
However, there's nothing stopping you from selling off yeah. club assets. Any club uh, can go ahead and do it. And, and I think that's a simple reality yeah, of it. Completely. Remember in the summer at the end of the transfer window when uh, Chelsea pursued Anthony Gordon and yes. the 80 million pound price tag? Well, he's now revealed that he's happy to have stayed at Everton. Okay. And that he thought the 80 million price tag put on him was, and I quote here, crazy, unquote. Do you agree with his two reflections? Uh, yes and yes. I think he should be happy because I think it's a good thing for him to stay. I'm not sure he was really ready to step up to a much bigger club with a lot of competition. I don't know how much he would have played at Chelsea in the first season, to be fair. I mean, especially with the change of, of manager. Um, so I think it's not a bad thing that he stayed. You can have a full Premier League season where he starts every game, play mostly every minute with England under, under 21 as well. Whatever, that's much better. And then next summer you go. And then for the price tag, I mean, 80 million for Anthony Gordon is just... Do you think we'll ever know who it was at Chelsea who thought, yeah, let's aggressively pursue Anthony Gordon? Could it be some TB, someone like that, maybe? You think? But I don't think he'd come up with it no, in his own. He must have somebody. I mean, I know, he must I'm have kidding, somebody he talk, keeps kidding. maybe under his desk who, like, he pulls out and he tells him, like, I don't know, maybe it's some... Uh, uh, yeah. We've had women referees in men's big five leagues in Germany and Spain and in France. No, yeah. sorry. Germany and France, should, that's yeah. I don't think we've had one in Spain. No, not yet. It's just funny, for those who don't know, I write the question, so it's my mistake. <laughs> it's my okay. Uh, but now we also have in Serie A, Maria Sole Ferreri Caputi, who's about to make history uh, this weekend by refereeing Salernitana against Sassuolo. That's right. She's making history because she'll be the first referee with four names. Uh, no, it's <laughs> well, yeah, well um, Her name is Maria... I was kidding, but her name is Maria Sole, which is unusual. Um, and then I'm Ferreri Caputi. I don't know if she's posh or maybe she's, take, maybe she's married, taking on somebody else's name. I know people always ask about this stuff. Yeah. That's why I'm telling you uh, what I know. But yeah, she's... She was, she, I think she's only like 32, 33 years old. So she's, she's very young as well. Um, I think we have to get to the stage where this becomes normality. Not normality in the sense that 50% of referees have to be women. Yeah, no. yeah. Normality where, look, you're good enough. We don't care which yeah. toilet you use. Go referee. And I think, you know, we, we've seen it with uh, Bibiana Steinhaus and, uh, and obviously with, with uh, Stephanie Frappard. Yeah. They, you know, once you're in the game, if you act with authority and stuff and you don't make big blunders and whatever, you have the personality for it, players forget pretty darn Completely, quickly yeah. um, the gender of the referee. After losing to Japan on Friday, the United States men's national team followed up with a nil-nil draw against an understrength Saudi Arabia. Jules, there was no Yunus Musa, who suddenly, despite the fact that he's 19, seems to be absolutely pivotal to this team. Yeah. Um, or rather, he was there, but he was in the stands watching because yeah. uh, he's injured. And uh, more worryingly, Gio Reyna came off after half an hour. Is it fair to expect more at this stage? The schools yeah, are turning so. a bit on, on Greg Berhalter. Yeah, I think completely. I thought he was very disappointing. I think they had two shots on targets in the two, in the two games in total. Um, Clearly, a lack of two shots on target in this game. And in this game, yeah. yeah. Uh, a lack of creativity, a lack of cutting edge. I'm not really sure if Baholter knows he's starting 11. And may maybe that's not a big deal, but when this is the last two friendlies or rehearsal games that you have before going to the World Cup in what is a, you know, a tough group in a way because, okay, England are stronger than everybody else. That doesn't mean they, they will qualify easily, but then you've got Wales and Iran who will probably you know, not better than you, certainly on paper. So the pressure is there for you to grab that second place. This is not looking encouraging at all, I think. Yeah, I. so I, I was struck by the fact that I thought, you know, the centre-backs who've been criticised before were, you know, Walker, Zimmerman and, and Long. And they were OK. Um, the McKenney actually looked better than he has for Juve in, in midfield with, with, with Tyler Adams. I, when they go to the World Cup, you know, I know he said that, you know, about taking the game to the opposition, not changing the way they play. But, dude, you have a problem at center forward because whether it's Pepe or he the other guys, just Wobble, yeah. whoever it is, these guys aren't particularly good. So maybe if Gio's fit and Reina's fit, maybe the best plan Gio is... Gio Sorry, Gio's fit and Musa's fit. Maybe the plan is be as solid as you can be and try to surprise people because, you know, you have legitimate pace. Yeah, yeah, with, yeah. We saw Dest play on the other flank, um, and obviously, you know, you've got him, you've got Pulisic, and you hope, you know, wait for them to do something yeah. and hang in there. I don't think that's the, what he wants to do. He wants to be more proactive. 
I'm just curious. He may not have a choice because the combinations aren't working the way they no, should uh, at this stage. Shakhtar Donetsk president Serge, Sergei Palkin sorry, is unhappy with FIFA, Gab, because they haven't cancelled their World Cup TV, deal, uh, TV rights deal with Russia. Yeah, so as much obviously as I am supportive uh, with Shakhtar Donetsk and the people of Ukraine and Sergei Palkin, and, and I think he's got a case about the players that he lost for no compensation yeah. and whatever, this is a really, really stupid argument to make. And it's a stupid <laughs> argument to make, and I'll tell you why. Russia paid, um, reportedly, was around um, 35 million uh, for these TV rights. Okay, Russia, Russia aren't going to the World Cup, even banned from the World Cup, mm. which to me suggests this is not a great deal for Russia because we paid a lot of money to go and see teams that aren't Russia, to go and see other teams, not to mention other stuff to worry about as well. So you want FIFA to cancel the deal with Russia, but then you know that FIFA would have to give the 35 million back to Russia. So when you're bringing up sanctions and whatever else, this, this isn't a sanction. You are giving them a product which is worth a lot less than what they paid for it because Russia aren't there. Yeah, okay, maybe. But well, you want to make a symbolic gesture, black out the World Cup in Russia? The Premier is that League worth $35 million to you? The Premier League did it. The Premier League stopped. You, the Russian TV could not show yeah, The Premier, Premier League, League TV matches. contract in Russia is worth peanuts compared to the FIFA World Cup contract. Yeah, maybe. I mean, so, I, I don't... I, I don't know. I, th I think you have to look at what is actually worthwhile doing here and what is the best, what is the best response. The other thing with the Premier League contract, incidentally, I'm 99.9% .9 certain of this. I could be wrong. Premier League folks, do get in touch if I'm wrong. I think they've suspended it until the war goes on, until the sanctions are on. And then they kind of turn, you know, they turn a button and it comes back on and then they start paying again. Yeah. I think that's the difference here. You know, Maybe. in this one, they've already paid. Yeah, yeah. The insurance company Howden have published their football injury report, and they found a sharp rise in injuries in the Premier League as well as the Bundesliga uh, year on year. Um, they estimate injuries cost clubs around 100, uh, Premier League clubs around mm. 185 million pounds a season, yeah. which is kind of a lot of money. It's a lot of money. I mean, they play so much that uh, you're not surprised by the numbers, you're not surprised by the figures. You're not surprised that I think a lot of them are muscular injuries instead of, you know, some, okay, you can do your ACL. I don't think there's much you could have done to no. prevent it. Certainly muscular injuries halfway through a game, like we saw John Stones, for example, against Germany. With, it's clearly all the, like, the workload of the games and everything. So that has to change. We saw a lot of players getting injured in, in this international break. And you know that when you get an injury in your national team, then FIFA or UEFA like pay the clubs have to pay compensation yeah. compensation so uh, at least this is right for the clubs but again you don't want to lose your players like that so regularly so injuries went up everywhere in the big five leagues but they went up most sharply in the Bundesliga and yeah. the Premier League and so your instant gut reaction is like oh those games play with you know intensity they yeah. play with more intensity do you think that's the reason yeah maybe um, maybe it is I, I don't know if it's could do I, I cannot see why it could be something else you look like why so all the invisible work in terms of what you eat and your recovery and all that kind of treatment stuff is not as good there than well, in other countries it's not true is it the weather I don't think either so I would think that yeah maybe intensive my difficulty with the part, intensive argument is that if these are muscular injuries you know somebody playing at a slower pace and suddenly you know you don't get muscular injuries if you're if you're jogging around the pitch right no but, but it's also you still where you run the most this they're the two leagues where teams and players run the most but if i'm playing at a slow pace and then i sprint isn't is my chance of a muscular injury no, it is the true. same yeah, as if i do 10 sprints in a row yeah 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 no um, I, guess, I think you know that yeah, I, 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 I need to be educated on this. Arsenal will be Ajax aware to qualify for the next phase of the Women's Champions League. But Gab, can you believe this story about the goals being too small? I can't believe it because the Arsenal women's coach, Jonas Edivali, whatever his name is, um, made a point of this. He said he's never seen anything like it. I, I don't understand Ajax. How is that even possible? Ajax are a serious football club, yeah. right? We, 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 we doff our hat to them. Did nobody ever check that they, that they were about 10 centimeters? I'm guessing 10 square centimeters. I'd love to know how they found out. Is there like, did the referee go and measure the goals? But I think maybe, maybe you, you could even see it with your own eyes. I don't know. They, it, 
But what they've been playing all year with the little goals and like, oh, look, we never noticed, and here comes Arsenal. And also the other thing I'm not clear on is like apparently they adjusted the goals before kickoff and then they did it again at halftime. What they didn't get it did right? They shrink and they or shrink, they, they shrink on his own during night. the game. Uh, I I don't. It is, it is, you know, I'm not gonna. I, I this is bad because. We talk about equality of facilities and stuff like that and opportunity in the women's game. This is a freaking Champions League no, game. No. This should not no, be no, happening. No, definitely not. It's not something that, that's particularly difficult to get right. We told you about Brazil's big win over Tunisia earlier, Jules. The game, of course, was played in Paris at the yeah. Parc de Prince. It was marred by somebody throwing a banana at Richarlison. This is a sad reminder. We have a long way to go. Yeah, very sad. Uh, I mean, the scenes, it was a very hostile crowd because it was mostly just Tunisian yeah. fans. There's obviously a very strong community of, of Franco-Tunisians in, in France, in Paris in general, or just Tunisians. Uh, and we saw flares, we saw everything. And there was always a feeling that at some point it could derail like that. And unfortunately, we saw it. Uh, I think they're looking at uh, the investigation and the CCTV camera, which there's a lot at Paris de Prince. So hopefully they will find the the culprit and the guy who did that and it would be like uh, you know whatever sanctions but I'm hoping as strict as possible but just when you think that you're making progress in a way this kind of stuff happens I I, I think the message here has to be clear right so if, if we're going to assume that this was a Tunisian fan it looks it, it, it looks right? the case yeah. it's obviously somebody who is of African descent then we have to, and I, I do not want to hear the defense. Oh, look, I'm African myself, so I'm allowed to throw I'm this. I'm not racist. It yeah. could be somebody, it's not racism, like, look, Richarlison's darker than me, which, you know, he may well be, but, sorry, or I'm darker than Richarlison, yeah. right? I know. <laughs> you cannot do this, period. It's not just about your individual gesture, it's it's, it's about the broader way it gets seen. I'm, I'm hoping the authorities step in. They have to. Because... Yeah. You know, this isn't something, yeah, it's a FIFA game and stuff or whatever, but like this isn't like, you know, when it happens in, in, in a Premier League or French League game or, or in the Champions League where you take action against the club and whatever. This is internationals. Yeah. You know, nobody's going to take action ground here. As well. So this has to be law enforcement, has to be the police. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Key sponsor Hummel have decided to camouflage their logo on Denmark shirts during the World Cup uh, because of Qatar's human rights record. They also camouflage the, the Danish FA uh, crest. Um, they say we don't wish to be visible during a tournament that has cost thousands of people their lives. Okay, just get rid of your name on yeah, the shirt then. You don't wish to be visible, but then so you wish you... Yeah, you uh, still have your... Yeah. And you issue a press logo. release telling us that you don't want to be yeah, seen. come on. You know what? Um... I, this to me is fact. If you don't want to be wished to be visible, if you have an issue with Qatar's human rights record, then I think there's many valid reasons to do it. Yeah, yeah. Here's something very simple. This is what I would love to know, right? Can I log on to the internet in Doha? In fact, I might try doing this when I'm there. Can I buy Homo products online from Qatar? Can I go to a sports shop in Qatar and get whatever team's Homo sponsors? Can I buy their jerseys? Does Homo do any business in Qatar? Yeah. Because I'll tell you what, if they do, then That's you're being point. hypocritical and you're taking advantage of this migrant workers crisis to make some stupid point to win, to, to win brownie points. Yeah. If, if, on if the other hand, true. you have made a decision, corporate social responsibility, we disagree with migrant workers, LGBTQ, you know, there's a ton of reasons to disagree with it. And so we as a company don't want to be identified with Qatar. And while you're at it, why don't you extend it to Saudi Arabia and the Emirates and other countries like that? Um, and for us, it's entirely natural. We sponsor Denmark, and so you know. Then you're being consistent. Yeah. If not, you're simply you're simply riding the publicity for this. You're doing something very performative, and you're doing it on the backs of people who are truly suffering. Again, I don't genuinely know. Homo, if you're listening, reach out. You know where to find yeah. me. Yeah. Tell us. Tell us. Oh yeah, we don't do any business at all in Qatar. We've cut all ties with Qatar. We've cut all ties with Qatar. We've cut. We've cut off. All ties with people who, unless they have with, with countries, unless, you know, they, they have proper unions, proper protections for workers, right? 
Otherwise, you're being performative. Yeah, yeah. Barcelona are reportedly planning another bid for Bernardo Silva, whose deal with City expires in 2025. Jose, I am so tired of this story. <laughs> Why this obsession? No, because, you know, they need a winger. They only have Ansu Fati, Dembele, Rafinha, Ferran Torres, and Memphis Depay. Oh, oh no, I, sorry. They need, a, they need a sort of creative midfielder because they only have Gavi and Pedri and De Jong. I, like, he's a great. I, I don't. What's, 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 I love Bernardo. You know, he's one of my boys. No, of I, course. I, I'm wondering. Like, okay, it's September. The the trend. You really think? What? What? You think? You think City are gonna are gonna sell him in January? That's, I'm pretty sure they won't, right? So if you want to prepare something for the summer, you want him to run down his contract. It's 2025. He only ha he doesn't have that much leverage. City can just say, okay, fine, Bernardo. Uh, you know, why don't you sit here a while longer? Yeah, I, completely. It's just I don't know where this comes from. You, you would uh, think there'd be more important things to do and better position to strengthen. Like you know, more importantly, position he, to strengthen than than that one. Do you think this comes from Bernardo's camp? I think it comes from Uncle George. Just me. Maybe, just maybe, George, you know. The Guardian reports that Chelsea, Liverpool and Arsenal are all planning some form of multi-club ownership by acquiring clubs in other countries that can serve as farms team. Gab, I mean, we know for Chelsea because Todd Bailey mm. publicly talked about it, but I bet you have strong thoughts only on Liverpool and Arsenal. Yeah, so my strong thought is... You know, they've had the same, well, first of all, it's weird coincidence that, you know, you've got three clubs all owned by Americans, right? Yeah. But FSG have owned Liverpool for, what, nearly 10 years now? Uh, Arsenal have been owned by, by, by Kroenke for nearly 15 years, yeah. something like that. They would have never thought of this before. Um, I think there's a reason they've looked at it, they've thought of it. They said this doesn't fit our culture. And also, we don't know that it's that beneficial. We don't know that, exactly. you know, I, I've said this before, like how many people have actually done this and made it work and profited from it? You know, City Football Group, we don't know. What right. we know is that they don't end up playing for Manchester City 99.9% .9 of the time. Is it, we don't know the finances, we don't know if they're making money off this or not. You know, Red Bull have obviously done, done well with it. Yeah. They've had a bunch of false starts. So. It, it seems weird. It's just one of those ideas. Oh, yeah, great. Like, yeah, there's yeah, there's half a dozen MCO groups around Europe. And guess what? Very few, none of them have been able to make it work. Yeah. So uh, I am I think they may have looked at it, but especially as far as Liverpool and Arsenal are concerned, yeah, I don't see this happening. Mm. And I think with Liverpool especially, I don't think it fits their club culture. I think it's yeah. another thing that would make those Spirit of Shankly types kind of angry and annoyed. Yeah. Urs Fischer is getting a new contract at uh, Union Berlin. In yes. fact, he might have signed it yesterday. This is a no-brainer, given Aww. that they're top of the Bundesliga, right? Yeah, well done, Urs. Uh, and Union Berlin, I think he deserves it completely. You could see him staying there for a long time, seeing how well he structured this club and how, how I mean, amazingly they've done, but also how far he's taken it already. I don't, don't know how long they can stay at the top of the Bundesliga, but certainly they're enjoying it there, and, and he's doing an amazing job. Not so much in Europe, but that, that might come later, you know. Serie A is expected, Gab, to introduce semi-automatic offside in mid-October. Does that make sense to you? Well, my attitude had always been like, let's see how it works. We've seen it in the Champions yeah. League. I think there haven't been any complaints. People seem to be, you know, it's like with Hawkeye, right? When, when they, you know, goal line technology. Nobody argues about that, even though, let me let you in a secret, Hawkeye fails sometimes, sometimes too, right? Sometimes it does, yeah. But it's like when there's something automatic, oh, look, the computer said it, it can't be wrong. People accept that much more readily yeah. than when there are humans drawing lines on yeah. the pitch, right? So um, I think it can help. I mean, certainly in light of what happened, would it have helped in the whole Juve Salernitana, Candreva, Bonucci, Snafu? Uh, you would, you would, you would imagine. Oh, so, 100%, yeah, for sure. If done properly, so, um, so no, I welcome. It. I, part of me says, look, if they're going to trust it for the World Cup and they're trusting it for the Champions League, I think it's safe Definitely. to go ahead with it. And I think we're going to see it in other leagues very soon. Clubs love their wacky third kits, Jules, <laughs> because they're often money spinners. Let's face it. But I don't think Chelsea were planning to unveil theirs on FIFA 23, were they? No, that's right, Gab. I mean, the new, the new, so this is a new edition of, of the video game, of course, uh, where you can pick all the clubs, you know, and the national teams and the players you want, etc. Blah, 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 blah. And when you, if you're taking Chelsea and you go onto the shirt that you can pick, so home shirt, away shirt, and then the third kit, well, the third kit was there. Like, literally the one that is not out yet, that the club hasn't revealed anything about, that Nike hasn't either. And do we, yet, do we know for there. a fact that this is a club's third kit? It's not yeah. just something EA Sports made no. up. Like No, but either you don't offer 
a third key possibility in the game right. or you make sure before that the club has <laughs> yeah, a exactly. otherwise it's not a good look Former Roma legend and Greek god Kostas Manolas has joined Sharjah, who lead the league right now in the United Arab Emirates. But Gab, I don't think he really much enjoyed his unveiling. No, this is so funny. You so can check good. it out. You can find this, uh, I guess, all over the web. But he, they're doing those like promotional videos, right? And there's a lion behind him. And there's yeah, like it's a, a bit know, like Photoshop. Yeah, it's, like, Photoshop. it's like, like lion handlers and stuff. There's people around him, right? But it's it's still a freaking lion, yeah. right? And he's there in his kit and he's kind of trying to smile. It's like what, that far away, you would say? Yeah. Yeah. And then the lion just goes, <laughs> like a roar. And he just jumps up in the air, like, probably not Stands a good idea. Up, yeah. He's, you know, people made the joke that he's wearing, like, white shorts. Not a good idea. And yeah. I, I tend to agree with that. But Costas, we love you. I would have reacted exactly me the same too, way. Me too, me too. Jules, we're going to be back. It's Derby weekend in the Woo! Premier League. The Manchester Derby. The North London Derby. Yes. <laughs> Plenty of other stuff going on. So uh, we'll be back on Monday. And until then, love the game. Love your neighbor. Love yourself. Real quick, what's the easiest choice you can make? Window seat over middle? Taco Tuesday over salad? What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash gabjewels, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash gabjewels now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash gabjewels.